Hello, you are listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast, and I am not your host, Stephen Roach. This is Lou Cumbrecht from Boulder, Colorado. I'm a pastor, a story brand guide, and a faithful listener of the podcast. And so we're calling this episode an official hijacking of the podcast we all know and love. And we're going to take the time to turn the microphone around and hear from the man and legend himself, Stephen Roach. Makers and Mystics is officially four seasons in, and we thought this would be a great way to end out the year. Not only are we going to dive in to Stephen's life and story, but we're going to more closely explore the questions, why does the conversation about faith and art really matter? What might the world look like if we choose to embrace this message personally and communally? And what's at stake if we choose to ignore the vocation of artisans and creatives? All right, so here we are in Boulder, Colorado. We got some snow falling. You and I locked in an office about ready to throw down some some conversation here. Meanwhile, our wives are shopping, spending uh, spending some serious cash, I imagine. But hey, man, um, gosh, congrats on four seasons in on the podcast. That's awesome. Uh, you've been at this for a while. So many amazing interviews. And uh, I know this whole community it really is privileged to, you know, to be able to listen in and, and be a part of this. But I'd love to jump in. So, you know, the this whole podcast, the whole idea is makers and mystics, which is a really interesting combination. When I talk to you about this, you've described it as it's really fostering a conversation around the intersections of faith and art. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, um, I love that conversation. It's interesting to me. But I start asking the question, like, why does this why does this really matter? Like the intersection of faith and art, while it's an interesting conversation, what's the big like why behind that? And so for you, uh, why does this conversation matter so much? This conversation is important because the path of the maker and the path of the mystic is one and the same. The impulse that leads us to worship is the same impulse that leads us to create. Yeah. The problem with this, and I see this both in history and in our modern times, is that the artist doesn't always feel embraced by the community of faith. Uh, There's there's a bit of estrangement. Uh, The artist often feels misunderstood by the communities of faith. Hmm. And so what happens is, for the sake of their art, the artist leaves the community of faith. And this, Hmm. this creates its own problem, because then you're in a situation where this impulse for worship, this impulse for transcendence, this impulse to connect with something greater than ourselves, it's left to be discovered somewhere outside of the community and outside of the very places that it was meant to be expressed. And so that's why I'm hosting these conversations because uh, again, I think the path of the maker and the path of the mystic is one of the same. I think the artist has a lot to contribute to communities of faith. And I think that communities of faith have a lot to contribute to the life of the artist. Now tell me though, at what point did you feel like you discovered this message? I'd love to hear a little bit more mm-hmm. about your upbringing. Yeah. Some of these root systems that that you know maybe helped you see this in a new light. Yeah. At what point did you see this disconnect between the, the maker and the mystic, mm-hmm. the artisan and the faith community? Yeah and feel like that you wanted to be a bridge in between. Yeah, well, it's interesting because in some ways I've been living this out my whole life. I mean, 
growing up, there was no distinction between creativity and spirituality. I always knew that creativity led me to experience those deeper things of life, even though I didn't know how to name them. I didn't ultimately call them right. you know, uh, by a name at that point. Uh, but what was fascinating is, is when I came into the community of faith later in my life, it was then that I began to see, wow, there's a real friction here. It was almost like competing for the same space wow. rather than embracing the gift that both have to offer. And so for me, at that point, I really began to, to dive into studying theology, studying church history. And that's when the whole thing just blew open for me because I suddenly realized that creativity and art is about so much more than whether we have paintings in our buildings or whether we have cool music in our services or whatever it is, whether, right. but it really goes to the core of our human experience. And I say it like this, the first five words of the Bible, in the beginning God created. Before we know of his love, his laws, righteousness, any of this stuff, we're introduced to a creator. Hmm. And then 26 verses into the story, the first thing we learn about humanity is that we're created in his image. And you can listen to some of the other teachings and some of the other podcast episodes I've done that really unpacks those ideas. But all throughout the Bible, you really see that our invitation from the very beginning has been to be co-creative partners with God in, in beautifying the earth, in creating the earth to look like heaven. Right. But then when you get into church history, like I mentioned, uh, it, it hasn't always been pretty. Yeah, tell me about that. Like, what, are we, what have we seen in church history that we can learn from now. Yeah. I mean, 2018, like you said, I, you know, it seems like most faith communities are trying to understand this conversation, right. but like, you know, in your study and your research, as you've seen these patterns mm -hmm. over time, like what can we learn from, you know, yeah. from times past? Well, I think on the positive, you know, when you look at figures like Dostoevsky, when you look at C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, when you look at the Wesley brothers who wrote over 5,000 hymns and the same with Zinzendorf who started the Moravian movement. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on yeah. of artists and musicians, people who were inspired by the Christian faith, who were inspired by their relationship with God and went on uh, to create revolutionary works of art that, that changed culture through their art. And it came as a result of their faith. The other side of that, unfortunately, is that there are also examples in history where, say for instance, during the Middle Ages when dance was considered the dance of the devil and it was exiled from hmm. the church expressions. Uh, you know, there was a time when if you were a chariot racer or you were a, if you held a certain role in society, performers, stage performers weren't allowed to be baptized. Oh, wow. and, and also, uh, of course, what I consider to be a misreading of the first commandment of not having any graven images. So suddenly visual art is cast out of the church and considered uh, blasphemous. You know, I mean, and, and if you're worshiping your art, maybe that's where the issue is, right? <laughs> if you're bowing down before your art. But you've got these examples of where creativity was exiled from our experience of worship. Yeah, the thing that's really interesting, and I feel like I've heard you say this before, that you know, a lot of people, a lot of times when we talk about creativity, it's seen this this optional add-on. This, mm -hmm. you know, you would call it, you know, this ornamental view. It's this, you know, mm -hmm. a la carte, yeah, um, thing that we 
we can kind of take it or leave it. We want to be known as creative, but we see it as maybe peripheral to mm-hmm. the real things of life. Right. But I hear you saying something different. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. And I, I, I think at the core of that, you know, you know, when I've heard people say, well, I'm, I'm really not one of those creative types. You know, we've all heard people say that. Well, I, I think that's bad theology. <laughs> you know, we confuse creativity and art. Sure, maybe you're not an artist by trade, but creativity is the image of God within us. And creativity expands so far beyond whether I'm a visual artist or a, a musician or a choreography filmmaker, whatever it is. But creativity is a quality. It's not a talent. Creativity is something that's at the core of, of each of us. And so whether I'm setting a dinner table for guests or the way that I'm loving my children or the way that I'm taking care of our cities or the environment, taking care of the earth, those are all artistic expressions to me. I, I think that anything done with love and excellence becomes art. Yeah. You know, and, and creativity becomes art when it's done with love and excellence. Right. No, that's so good. And and so as as you think about the world we live in today, mm-hmm. um, and as it relates to this conversation of you know marrying faith and art back together, what's at stake if we don't do this? Mm-hmm. Like, what happens if we don't take this seriously? Yeah, I mean, you know, say we we listen to the podcast, or you know, we we're interested in in the conversation as long as it's playing through our earbuds, yeah. or you know, right. as long as our morning run is, or whatever. But what happens if we don't, um, if we choose to ignore mm-hmm. the creative impulse that God has called us into? Yeah. Well, I can give you an example again from the Middle Ages. And I've read a book uh, called Dancing in the Streets A History of Collective Joy. It's written by a sociologist, Barbara Ehrenreich. She's not coming from a Christian perspective at all. She's just talking about what she discovered as she researched different expressions of joy and dancing throughout history. So she dealt with the Middle Ages and dealt with the church during the Middle Ages. And one of the things that she discovered was that as the church began to exile dance and creative expressions from their services, from the times of worship, it was around that same time that the carnival came into existence. Hmm. And if Tell you, me about the carnival. Remind me what, what was going on there. Yeah, if you don't know what the carnival is, the carnival was this expression. Uh, it, it came right before Lent, and it was a lot of masquerade, a lot of street parties, a lot of uh, per, you know parades, uh, dancing, music. It, it, but it also involved a lot of debauchery, a lot of carnal expressions, a lot of creativity married with carnality is basically uh, the way I see it. Okay. And so... I look at that and I see, okay, well, I think it was Lewis that said, if you deny men food, they'll gobble poison. Hmm. And if creativity and this artistic drive really is at the core of our humanity, and then from the pulpit or from the community of faith, you try to shut that down, you can't. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. What You can't repent from who God's made you to be, right? right. And so what happens is, these drives that God has put in us, He designed us to be creative, they find expression outside of faith. And what are you what are you left with? You're left with carnality. So there's a when the church doesn't embrace creativity and art as a valuable expression, as a virtue, right, not as an add-on, right. but as a core element. Yeah. Uh, what happens is creativity is exiled to to carnality. Yeah. So 
so let me let me flip that question over as we think about you know how do we participate in this you know for those of us listening and you know we're we're each trying to take our own personal creativity artistic expression seriously right um we're trying to cultivate and grow but how is the church can we take another step into Mm -hmm. um holding this conversation with you know with celebration and joy in our hearts i think it begins with understanding creativity and art as a reflection of the nature of god Mm -hmm. whether you're an artist or not if you can recognize creativity and art as an expression of his divine nature then we can value it Mm-hmm. And when we support the arts, it becomes an act of worship mm-hmm. because we are endorsing God's nature within humanity. Right. And I know that leads to a lot of nuance and a lot of questions, and I get a lot of questions around that. Um, but I think it starts there. If, if we see creativity in art as a manifestation of the presence and the nature of God, getting behind that can become an act of worship for us. And what's interesting, again, pulling from history, and I know the patronage system was by no means perfect. I know there was a lot of politics involved, a lot of manipulation, and a lot of, a lot of not cool things. But at the same time, when we look at the example, when the church got behind the artist, Renaissance happened. When the church began to uh, invest in artists and, and providing so that they could do what they had been called to do, the entire world changed. The, right. the Italian Renaissance happened. You right. know, all, we wouldn't have the works of art in history, music and visual art. We wouldn't have these things had the church not gotten behind artists and said, we see an inherent spiritual value in what you're doing. And by investing in this, we're also investing in the kingdom of heaven manifesting on the earth. Right. So what I hear you saying is the, the the patronage system, as we've looked at it in the past, that actually gave way to the artists being supported, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and what's amazing is that there's a lot of works of art that that we would never know about had it not been through people that came alongside. For instance, I would doubt that anybody listening right now uh, knows who Ludovico Sorva is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. but without him uh, in 1495, we would never know who Leonardo da Vinci is in the Last Supper, right? Because he was the one; he was the Duke of Milan who actually chose to come alongside yeah. da Vinci. Um, the same thing just a bit later. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of popes in the Vatican. Um, I, I don't remember ever studying Pope Julius II. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come to mind. But without Pope Julius II, Michelangelo. Would have never painted the famous, you know, Sistine Chapel yeah. in fifteen oh eight, and and what I hear you saying, Stephen, is that we have an opportunity. We're we're in a moment, a cultural moment, where we, even as the church, can choose to come alongside artists. Absolutely, and I think even for the cultural moment that we're in, I think that there's a reason that I mean, let's just be honest the church community at large, uh, in many ways, you could say the church has been in crisis there, or there's been a lot of deconstruction or a lot yeah. of rethinking the way, what it means to be a Christian. There's there's a lot of, it seems like everything that can be shaken is being shaken, right? right I think everybody right. could agree on that, even if we land in different conclusions on what that means. 
And it's interesting to me that at the same time that all of this is happening, everywhere I travel around the world, I'm seeing more and more communities of, of Christian artists being birthed in cities all over the world. And so when I look at that, I don't think it's an accident that all th- that a lot of things are being shaken. And at the same time, the artists are coming to the forefront. And I think that creativity and art really is a way forward yeah. for, for the church. And so what I'm getting at is even, even investing in artists and investing in the creative movement that's happening, that's already happening, investing in that is also investing in uh, a way forward for the church. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's a lot of ways to do that. And the cool opportunity we have here on the podcast too is not only are we talking about investing in the artists that are around us and you know we can take inventory of the people in our lives that are doing good work that we can come alongside, but I do know that even for this podcast, you know, this podcast is a curation of conversation. It's it's kind of a work of art in itself, right? You're holding open a conversation with other leaders, thought leaders, makers, and mystics um, to weigh into the the different angles of this this very conversation. And I know that this is even an opportunity for listeners to to come in. Yeah. And so is this a plug? Absolutely it is, but I get to do that because I hijacked your podcast. <laughs> so um, so let's let's talk about this for a second. There is a way for listeners to even support this conversation, but it's not just an exchange of money. This mm-hmm. is part of a, a, an ongoing collaborative community effort. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to be a part of the Patreon community? Yeah, sure. So Patreon is it's a platform that I've used that functions as a touch point for what I'm doing to be able to connect and build community with the people that are listening and the people that are supporting it. Uh, it is a place where you can give, you can give one time or you can be a part of it on a monthly basis. And so for instance, um, uh, we have the Makers and Mystics Creative Collective, which is a private Facebook group uh, where patrons that are giving $10 a month can be a part of that. And it's a place where we're sharing works that we're creating each Friday, we, we share works. I give weekly reflections of different thoughts about creativity and art and faith. It's a place where artists are meeting one another and making connections with other people who are a part of the podcast and listening to it. And it goes up from there, you know, there are discounts to the Breath and the Clay Creative Arts Gathering that we do each year. And then on up, if, if you want to roll real deep, uh, I'm offering like monthly coaching calls um, where I'm helping people discover the art that's inside of them and discover uh, a pathway for their creativity. So it's been a beautiful thing. It's not just a place where you're giving, but I mean, in all honesty, this is totally crowdfunded. Uh, you right. know, the, the podcast exists because there are people that believe in the conversations that we're having here and yeah. uh, and they're getting behind it. And so, I mean, it's been an honor yeah. to have people invest in this. You know, my wife and I ran a window cleaning business while I was on tour with the band and while I was traveling as a public speaker. But about a year and a half ago, uh, the door opened for us to sell the business and we just decided to take a huge, huge leap. And so we sold the business and now we are giving ourselves full time because we believe in this. I'm, I'm not just... These aren't just things that feel like good ideas. These are core convictions of, of my life. Yeah. And so Patreon has been a way that has helped 
because uh, each episode, I, I do treat it as a work of art. Yeah. And I probably take 16 to 18 hours per episode editing, researching music, researching the topics, the questions, wow. putting everything together. And it is a labor of love, you know, but I could not be more grateful for the people that are contributing and, and giving to this. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great, man. And, you know, I'll, I'll just speak on behalf of the Makers and Mystics community. Um, uh, thank you for, for doing this. Thank you for believing in, uh, in what God is doing on the earth and for giving your life to this. You know, you've taken a lot of risks um, and we've all benefited from that. Mm. And our lives are richer because of these conversations that, um, that, that you insist on keeping alive and front and center um, between the podcasts and then, like you said, the breath and the clay gathering. Um, uh, there is so much to be received, and so thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I, I know that your listeners would would echo the same thoughts. So, Stephen, you said earlier to kind of sum it up: artists need the faith community. You know, churches need artists, and you're here to bridge that. What would be one final encouragement you have for those listening today? One thing that's important as we move forward with this relationship between faith and art, artists tend to be very individualistic. Uh, And the church on its best days tends to be very family oriented. And so I think the beauty of the exchange can be that when, when the artist is embraced by the church and when the artist embraces the church, it can really speak to that part of us that needs to belong to a family that needs to belong to a community at the same time for the church uh, the church needs the artist to stretch them beyond the familiar we get too comfortable with what we understand and that's what in my opinion when faith hardens into religion is when we've put a period at the end of the sentence we think we've got it figured out the artist is meant to invite mystery back into the faith is is to call us beyond what we've known The moment that our faith is all figured out rationally is the moment that we've created an idol. And I think that this relationship between the artist and the community of faith is important because it helps us get closer to God and it helps us understand the mysteries of reality and the mysteries of the world in in a much greater fashion. And that means embracing some strange things that you don't understand for both. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, there are some strange things about the community of faith that the artist may not immediately embrace, and there are some strange things about art making that the church may not immediately embrace. But if we can hold those things with grace and love, I think ultimately that relationship will lead us to a fuller expression of who God's created us to be. Beautiful. Love it, man. Awesome, man. Thanks for hijacking the podcast and drawing some of this out of me. Thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This episode concludes our conversations of season four. We're going to take a few weeks off to enjoy the holidays with our families and return with season five at the turn of the new year. A special thanks goes out to everyone supporting the podcast and making these discussions on faith and art possible. 
Don't forget, early bird ticket prices for the Breath in the Clay Creative Arts Gathering end at midnight on December 31st. Be sure to get your tickets today and join us live March 22nd through 24th here in North Carolina. Music for this episode is provided by Songs of Water and the band Firefighter. You can find links to this music and to the Makers and Mystics Creative Collective in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, if you haven't already, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics. Have a wonderful Christmas, and we'll see you in the new year. (laughs) 